Hello, and welcome back to the Socially Distanced Podcast. I am the reluctant managing editor of thepoprate.com, Al Manorino. With me, as always, because he has to, uh, it is the editor-in-chief of thepoprate.com, Mr. Bill Botkin. Bill, what's up? I think you should just say the very tired, burnt-out uh, editor-in-chief of thepoprate.com. Yeah. Um, welcome to the 31st episode. So, perfect for ending... Halloween? I'm going to say it is. I think last I week was 30. I think last week was 31. Was it? Yeah. Uh, hold on. We'll find out in a second. Let's do some on, let's do some on-site research here, people. Uh, regardless, um, yeah, hold on. Spotify will tell me. Oh, this is the 32nd episode. There you go. Well, we had Halloween in the last one. Okay. So, hey, <laughs> I'm tired and uh, burnt out. And you know what? I, I was just... I just I, I just had a moment where I decided to just get my entire family together in a room, surprise them, and, and take them to a private island just to, to you know, get back to some normality. <laughs> Fucking oh, rich, tone-deaf motherfuckers. <laughs> like, my, so that's my new favorite meme, by the way. Which anyone who doesn't know what that's for, yeah. Kim Kardashian tweeted out something to the effect of that. Yeah. And everyone's just like, fuck you. Yeah, it's like this, like very tone deaf. Like as you said, she uh, she had her fortieth birthday, and she like brought her family to a, a private island. Anyway, so the exact wording was: after two weeks of multiple health screens and asking everyone to quarantine, I surprised my closest inner circle with a trip to a private island where we could pretend things were normal just for a brief moment in time. So everyone is just taking that exact quote and replacing her images with like different like pop culture like either horror scenarios or like other things. I would like, like to that. give a shout out to uh pop break writer and uh, substream editor Merjani rolls for posting the mortal screenshots from mortal Kombat. I was just like, well played, sir. That was very good. I, I just did one. Um, I didn't know ago. the movie. That is a super niche. It is a movie that I mentioned on this podcast uh, the other day, uh, Tucker and Dale. Oh, Evil. no wonder. Yeah. I was wondering if that was it. I was like, this is either, cabin in the woods and i don't remember any of these characters i was thinking i was thinking cabin in the woods but i'm like you know what this fits so perfectly because they were as like a, a big group and uh the movie's amazing uh, again highly recommend it's not my pick this week but go watch tucker and dale vs evil i guess we gotta anyway, we gotta introduce was, that guy that nobody likes on the site i was gonna say the same yeah uh this is a returning guest <laughs> someone who uh didn't get to experience the uh the full socially distance treatment uh we you know, mentioned him so many times on this podcast yeah. as a guy who can just play different. We said Patrick from Schitt's Creek. Yeah. I think we called him. He said he could definitely be Dexter. Yes. I think we, any sort of very I, pale I, white guy who possibly could be a murderer because he looks so genial, he I, fits the bill. I I think the, the, the hardcore burn that I gave him last week was he is like the ditto of Pokemon for oh, but for humans. Shit, he is. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. I agreed with you then. Yeah. Uh Ryan DeMarco, ladies and gentlemen. Hey. Uh you know, it just from this just really warm welcome. I'm just really <laughs> glad to be here. Um again again, I mean I feel like I wouldn't have been here if I wasn't digging through alfred's trash outside of his house but you know he decided to be nice and so I, it's, pl it's a pleasure to be here i mean i was looking for a costume for this upcoming saturday so yeah 
Oh, okay. Let's 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 break it down real quick. So, everyone, what's everyone going to be for Halloween now? Al, I think we talked. Did you talk on podcast what you're going to be? I think so. I said Possibly. that uh, my family and I, because we keep singing the praises of it every other week on this podcast, we are going to be the family from from Bluey. It's just a very poor, poor example of which. And it's again, if I go anywhere without my son and my dog, and it's just me and my wife, like if we go to like a quote unquote party, no one is going to know who we are. No, no. I want to be. Um, oh, who's the neighbor? Oh, oh, um, Lucky. Lucky. Yeah. I would. I would love to be Lucky's dad, who always gets like <laughs> beaten up. He does. Lucky's. <laughs> I love but he always <laughs> accepts it with such like he's like ah crazy neighbors it's fine. Literally never heard of the show until you you just mentioned it. Oh, never. it's the best, it's best, show best show. It's like it's like a warm blanket of wonderful Australian humor that is so relatable and in cartoon so it ranks better among the the American attempts at children's shows oh my god it oh, shits Jesus all Christ. over them. yeah it's like it's like doesn't end on enzo There's dance no... in the intro intro scene uh yeah. it's so much better uh i'm going to be a taco nice yeah taco. we got one of them from target it barely gets it barely fits me this old inherited broadback i got from my grandfather is not conducive to most costumes from target um but my daughter also wants me to wear a a sticker that says hello my name is mr taco so I need to do that. So I will be a taco for Halloween. Excellent. Not a sexy Ryan. taco, not an ironic taco. Just uh, a taco. A, a father taco. Mr. Taco. You, are you beef, pork, chicken? What are you? I think Ooh, it might be shrimp, question. and which is ironic because I'm allergic to it. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, that's why Halloween you get to, you know. Live out your fantasies. Live out your fantasy. Uh, face your fears. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Ryan, what are you going to be? I'm going to be a well, – speaking of the white dittos of the human race, I'm going to be a milkman from the 1950s. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend – I'm sorry, my fiance will be a oh. 1950s uh, housewife, you know? So, I feel like uh, there's some sort of weird sexual thing that's going to happen and I don't want to talk about it on this podcast. Well, I, 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 somebody's getting pregnant, right? Isn't that the joke with the milkman? Pregnant with emotions, probably. But, you know. And the joke is you're getting pregnant. I'm getting pregnant. <laughs> that plays, though. That's very unbrand yes. for Ryan. Just Fair. completely unexpected. Um, well, uh, I'm, You will be the palest be... person on Halloween if you're dressing in all white. Yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be a ghost, basically. Yeah. I'm just, just going to vanish into the in thin air like we all are right with this groovy background. I was going to say, you should, uh, you should try to count how many people – Guess your costume right, either milkman or ghost. Yeah, yeah. Do like a running tally throughout the night. You had the idea, Al, to put gray makeup all over my face to really capture the 1950s. So either people will think I'm from the 1950s, or I have a uh, you know a liver disease or something. Which is also from the 1950s. Yeah, Um, and and you know it's historically accurate that in the 50s everything was gray. I think so, yeah, and and too much milk too much was milk. a bad thing. My grandfather, my great grandfather was a milkman. I think both of them. Yeah, were. yeah, I think so. Oh, I, I definitely know my mom's side. My great grandfather had a a milk farm. Oh. They're still milkman. 
Milt Men. Well, they're coming. Well, it's coming back now. I can't believe we're talking about this on podcast. If, why not? Yeah, why the fuck not? Well, because <laughs> they're saying like because everything's being delivered, delivered, and yeah. people are going for the niche stuff and going direct to farms. That like milk Milt's men are coming back. back. It's amazing. Milk's making a comeback, people. <laughs> Hell yeah! Twenty twenty. That do Bring the same thing. Back. Beer. Well, it's. I guess that's drizzly at this point. Uh, I guess so. Uh, well, anyway, uh, the reason I wanted to have Ryan on the pod this week, uh, outside of no giving him, out, there's that, and then outside of giving him his chance of actually being on the pod with multiple segments, uh, a, a little bit of news came in this week about San Diego Comic Con, which Ryan and I frequent. Uh, we go every year except for this year. Al, would uh, you say, did you want to make me, me to make the transition? I mean, I guess so, specifically. Because, seriously, Al, what the fuck? What the actual fuck? Thank you. So, this week's Seriously What the Fuck uh, (laughs) has to do with San Diego Comic-Con. And it's not a WTF as, like, a you know, we're shocked and appalled at this, or even surprised, for that matter. But it brought up Comic-Con, and I wanted to have Ryan on the pod to talk about uh, the future of San Diego Comic-Con. The bit of news that came out this week was, if... San Diego Comic-Con happens next year, and we have to say if, because we just don't know the future of uh, just live events in general. Uh, 2021 San Diego Comic-Con, any 2020 pass holders um, for Comic-Con will be basically rolled over into 2021. There will not be any 2020, sorry, 2021 badge sales. So everyone who had a badge in 2020 will be able to have their 2021 badge and uh, anyone who was going to try to buy a, a pass for this year coming up is SOL, uh, shit out of luck, because that's not happening. And I believe that's only fair uh, for everyone, me and Ryan, <laughs> yeah. and everyone who didn't get to go to didn't get to go to Comic Con this year, uh, which is uh, something I look forward to every year. It's a it's literally my vacation that I would take every you year. Literally to proposed to your now wife there. I did. I did. Sure. Yeah. Ryan took um, the pictures. I, <laughs> I he was, was there. He was in my flip flops. He didn't have flip flops. That's right. Well, I was wearing I mean, his flip flops. Come on. Yeah. We know. I, I mean, um, same shoe size. He, I, I gave him a bottle of milk to use to. He didn't want that. But, you yeah. know, what you have my... to stop giving milk to people. Can <laughs> <laughs> run this fucking joke into the ground, but all right. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, it's like last week's Quibi joke. I wanted to I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to Bill first because uh, as someone who is not an, an avid uh, Comic Con goer, but as someone who covers it every year yes. uh, for the site, um, I want to ask you um, if if it's some sort of hybrid, right? If 2021 New York uh, San Diego Comic Con and of course New York Comic Con to follow is some sort of hybrid, right? We're seeing it in schools right now. Where I, uh, my daughter literally started the hybrid schedule on yeah. Monday. Yeah, my 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 wife is a teacher, and she started doing that a couple of weeks ago as well. Do you think that Comic Con uh, and any of these conventions are going to start planning for some sort of hybrid event, or do you think we're all just planning for in person and virtual and no middleman? If they're smart, they're planning for a hybrid with an all-virtual backup plan. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're ever going to see um, – I, I do have questions about this too. I mean you would – now, was 2020 sold out? Always. 
It sells okay, out. That's so. That's Every. my. So I. So let me. I'm going to answer my. I give you my answer. Then I'm going to pose a question back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're going to see, and I think it would be smart if some of these panels and some things that happened are virtual. And I think even going forward, even when we can get back to full capacity, that it's just maybe it's just like, you know, a late night artist gallery type thing where it's where Mm -hmm. where stuff is streamed i mean i'm not sure how much is streamed from comic-con i think if you're like i think if you if san diego comic-con even new york comic-con said hey for x dollars if you're not going to attend you could get the this this amount of panels that you could attend or you could pick and choose you know kind of like a buffet uh of stuff of panels that you want to watch or interviews you want to see um I think that might be smart. And, uh, yeah, I think you have to do both. You cannot put all your eggs in the everything's going to be fine basket because, you know, I don't want to be super negative. But, like, what happens if this isn't we don't have this under control by San Diego Comic-Con time next year? Or what happens if something new pops up? We have to have contingency plans. That's smart business. And Mm -hmm. I think DC Fandom really proved that you can do virtual really well. Um, yeah. and I think that's something you need to do. Uh, and, and I think that's something you need to incorporate. Um, I think, uh, so my question is to you guys, I don't know if that was a great answer, but my question is if it's sold out, I've seen how big the venue is. I've seen how many people attend. If, how do you mitigate if we're still in, you know, social distancing procedures limit or even limited capacity that's going to be a real mess mm-hmm. of trying yeah. to say who can and cannot come. Now, some people, if we're still in the state we're in now, will opt not to go. And if I was San Diego Comic-Con, you've got to refund those people or, or offer them, hey, it, here's the pay-per-view experience of Comic-Con where you get, you're going to get access to all of these things streamed. But figuring out how to parse out who can and can't go. That's going to be really, really difficult mm-hmm. for Comic Con, and that's a big issue. That's why I that was my biggest concern coming out of this news was, okay, great, you're honoring all of those tickets. That you're going to have a big problem because you're going to have a lot of pissed off people who are going to want to attend. And I know a lot of people are safe, and I know, but we're talking like almost like six, seven months from now, people are, might either be bucket i'm just want to go or they're like i can be safe and i can go and it's a bit of a kerfuffle you know what i mean but also i know comic-con doesn't want to lose the money either so it's a weird situation that they put themselves in and 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 it's not a situation they can avoid either so it's not like they went out and did the wrong thing it's just this is a very tough situation bill you brought up a great point about dc fandom (laughs) you know i know squirrel finds a nut that's right uh you, you brought up a great point about Fandom and how they were able to execute a uh, a pretty successful live stream event, right? The first one, everyone, yes. Yeah, and rightfully so. They had all the talent that week, and they you know they tried to do the following weekend or two weeks from two weeks, two weeks later, after. Yeah, with no it was real more t- hype. Yeah, yeah, no real hype, uh, no TV. You know, it was more TV focused, whatever. But just to go back on Fandom. That was free. That was a free event that they, they put up all the money, all the technology, all the servers, uh, all the talent, everything, right? 
I don't know what sort of return that they were able to get from that outside of just generating buzz for their content. I know that they had a, a store with very limited merchandise. I know there was probably some advertising partners involved, what have you. What is, and I, I guess Ryan, who is experienced, not just San Diego Comic-Con, not just going inside the Javits Center and experiencing the panels and going on the floor and all that. You've experienced the entire thing. It takes over the entire city. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it takes over all the land and the hotels in the vicinity, right? The amount of business that San Diego Comic-Con brings to the city of San Diego. It's one of the, it's if not the year's biggest highlight for that, for that location, for uh, that graphical area that they, they kind of need, it's like, almost like where we live near the shore. We, we, you know, our towns thrive on those summer months that that area that location that whole location thrives on the tourism and everything there yeah that's it's detrimental almost to that to survival of that area it's same same where with the super bowl same thing with wrestlemania like you it's a lot of people depending on those events like the cities so i guess my question for ryan and it might be impossible to answer but what what do you what do you see as comic-con international's way of making whatever they end up doing financially feasible right not only to put on but to make it profitable to make it make it be able to continue right so you know 2019 right. or sorry 2020 everyone's in this like we need to stay afloat we need to keep momentum going um no matter what right yeah. i'm sure i'm sure a lot of these companies were using ppp loans and all that kind of stuff and you know something like comic-con they did the comic-con at home which was 100 percent a flop right I, I mean i could i could say I that think i could was... say that by just just the general interest from uh people online it was not well executed but at the same time they had no time to plan that right yeah what is the what is the solution ryan it's all on your shoulders what is oh, the solution oh. for them comic-con is on the milkman yeah one more, one more callback one more. uh no so Oh, there's going to be like seven more probably. There's, it's going to be – we're going to hate ourselves by the end. But, no, uh, just you. Just you. Just I, – I hate myself. Comic-Con is a name in itself and I think I, I think now, especially after the DC fandom experience, the big push is going to be for virtual. And while I totally get that and I totally understand, um, Comic-Con I think – will have the temptation to resist. They have to kind of make a name for themselves. They kind of have to kind of go into the new year, the new experience with an open mind. And I think I think they're going to have to do a complete overhaul when it comes to planning out segment, planning out the days and just being just I, – I think personally, I, I think for a long time it's going to be – it's going to completely change. I think they're going to have to do away with – grouping everybody into into you know one sort of location they'll have to they might even do i've seen certain gatherings um restrict certain groups of people to certain times of the day for for stuff like that that might be an option to have you know ticket holders of you know maybe extended hours you know uh, a group of people in in the beginning portion of the day and then another portion at the end of the day, maybe even extending it past the, the four day usual limit, you know, just to kind of if you want all these people to come, you kind of, you know, you, you kind of set out a, a general agenda 
and you plan by that. You can have all your events still, whatever maybe doesn't get all the buzz, then you do virtual for that. Uh, but then at night you can do like the exclusive stuff, whatever in a way sort of cuts off the general where it's like mass chaos as we've been in New York and we've been in San Diego where everybody's just kind of just going around and the safety guidelines might change. They might prohibit inhibit that. So instead of just canceling everything altogether or just going strictly visual, uh, virtual, they extend the days, they restrict people to certain times they just keep keep it running in smaller groups of people. Um, that's just one idea to keep it going. I think you really have to um, you really have to figure. I think they have to adapt like a pay per view model too. Like I think having a virtual an e ticket of some sort because how many people go to and I don't watch Comic Con like during the year but like there you don't always get like live streams a lot from a lot of stuff right like if like last year like is there a lot of live streaming that's happening yes yes yeah. yes for the panels but not for like uh, so say they show a trailer or yeah. sneak peek footage or something I, I like to it, that effect like they don't show it I think like if you said. Okay, like you have an a la carte ticket, like um, for let's say twenty five dollars gets you all access. Let's just say for you know all the panels, all the exclusives, and like you know, and then you could like kind of like like I said, like I was saying before, like trying to choose your own calendar of what you want to watch. I think you might actually find a new a new revenue stream for Comic Con because. And then, like, you could buy an all-weekend – say it's, say they just keep it to four days. You could buy a four-day pass for $200. I, I'm just spitballing. And you have that. And now it's open to everyone around the world. And so now everyone could be a part of it. And But if it's still quasi-live, even though people are watching it from around the world, they're still going to want to come to it. I mean, like, the Super Bowl and WrestleMania, that's stuff people travel to from around yeah. the world. So, okay, I can't make it in 2021 due to COVID restrictions from Japan. Say I'm living in Japan. I can't fly to the U.S. Um, But in 2022, say everything is all clear, I could buy a ticket. But say you're somewhere else. You're like, oh, you know what? I I don't have the the means to get there in 2022. So I'm going to watch it via the San Diego Comic-Con all-access pass, and I can watch that. And like I think that's another uh, really cool revenue stream. So it's like it doesn't have like the, it's just such hyper exclusive thing where they've always focused on you got to be there, you got to be there, you got to be there, you got to be there. Well, why not open it up to everyone? Show everyone how cool it is, and then they'll want to come the next year. I don't think Comic Cons will ever be. I don't think a pay per view model or like a live stream model that you have to pay for will really ever deter people from traveling to it unless we're still battling all this and uh as in terms of your other question about how does san diego benefit from this i mean it's not going to be the same until there's a a vaccine it's just not you can't you can't do the pop-ups as easily you can't be spontaneous you can't be just be jamming a whole bunch of people into your business i mean we see like you mentioned jersey shore before how many times do we see parades or we see events where everyone's jammed into the bars. You can't have that. You just have to recalibrate your expectations financially. Um, but 
there are ways still, you know, to to make it around. You're in San Diego. Outdoor dining for bars and restaurants is still a big thing. You know, limited capacity hotels is still a thing. There are still ways to make money. I think people just have to start thinking outside the box. And they have already. And I think there's a way to do it. I mean, if Disney in Florida, which we talked about like two months, two months or two years ago, it feels like on the podcast, can figure out ways to get people in and be safe. And there hasn't been any contact tracing back to people being at Disney World that we know of. Um there's ways that Comic-Con could do it. I just think that the you have to reset the expectations. Um, it's just going to be the big question is, will the studios and what makes Comic-Con in San Diego so popular, are they going to be willing to invest in doing that? Especially when we saw the popularity and the success of Fandom. I think, uh, yeah, I just definitely think it's, at least for the next, let's even consider like two, three years, it's going to need an overhaul of some sort. The way that it was is not the way it's going to be. And it's, yeah, you're going to have to, you're going to have to implement some new ways to generate some revenue. And like I said, I, I think it might even be a long time before we even, they can even allow, what was it? 130,000 people in like in that area last year, like that. 135. I, yeah, no way. Numbers, yeah. Those numbers will not, ever they won't be reached for a long time even after post-vaccine they might prohibit that you never know yeah and i totally agree with what both of you were saying is i guess i guess it just keeps going back to the question of like how can you how can you make up for you know say seventy-five thousand are paid out of the 135 that's even i mean you could probably even say a hundred thousand are paid attendees to this con how do you make up for that you have like, to you, ha- have, you have to open up you have to do pay-per-view streaming it's the only way you can get people yeah, to watch it but you're but it's not even that you have to think that it's a hundred thousand people that are paid to come into the convention they but, have to they have to find the, locations the thousands and thousands more that are coming just to experience the city and yeah. and the pop-ups and all that yeah, stuff. That's going to have to go away. Exactly. And that's so much fun revenue and revenue fun and revenue lost. Right. <laughs> and how do you recreate those experiences virtually? It's well, tough. Man. I do, do, do you honor the 135,000 people that are scheduled to come in 2021 and expand it to two weeks long and, do what Ryan said of like yeah. having scheduled time for you that to come. work. Yeah. I mean, you might have to do that, but I don't think like with pop-ups is, is like you, you told me about one, I think it was in New York where they did an American gods pop-up where they, they recreated a bar with, yeah. with the alligator in it. It was, um, but I remember, cool yeah, it was, it's awesome. I remember, um, Chris, Christian Nyren, who is Hodor in game of Thrones. So I've interviewed on the pop uh, he did a Rave of Thrones event that just happened to be at, I want to say the Bowery or something like that. He did it at, at, yeah. a, at a venue. You have to now create those experiences, I think, virtually. And that's going to have to be not on Comic-Con, but that's going to have to be on the shows and studios to like – and movies. To, well, it's going to be in the studios. It's going to be like if HBO has something they wanted to do for – okay, Lovecraft Country was the last show, big show that you know makes sense for Comic-Con. If you wanted to throw a show 
in on that or do something with that, you have to be an HBO Max subscriber or you got to do something there. Or if you're with Netflix, it's a Netflix-only exclusive that you could see this exclusive pop-up event from Stranger Things. You know what I mean? And, And it won't be as interactive, but you have to find ways to monetize it in some way because or Honestly, what money are these studios making from pop-up events? Then put them free on YouTube or put them free on social media. That's the only things you can do to create cool shit. That's the only yeah. thing you could do because – but the town's never – the city's never going to see that type of money because no one cares about the local Irish bar th- that everyone packed into that was a cool hang yeah. during Comic-Con. I don't know if that mm-hmm. exists. But it's just hey, – no one's going to go there because they're not in San Diego. And this will be the, the the last point before we move on. If 2021 is going as well as 2020, and we Fuck. don't, and right, Jesus. and we don't, see, and this podcast and is still going, <laughs> and this podcast, and we don't see a change. Uh, if we don't see that uh, live events are going to happen in the way that we keep describing they used to be, what is to stop other studios from just? completely doing away with their participation in New York, uh, San Diego Comic-Con and New York Comic-Con and do the fandom uh, for their own, right? Like, and I guess the question is, um, I think it's more of like a, if, if it's not, it's not, na- uh, what's the, uh, Sooner rather the than later. not even that, but it's like, if it, it wasn't a matter of uh, when it was like how something like when, that. Not if. Yeah. If not when. When not if. If not when, thank you. Sorry, uh, long long week. It's Tuesday. Um, who who was the next one? Who what what do you think? Uh, I'll, I'll start with Ryan. Like, who do you think is the next studio or company that says we saw what Fandom did? Fuck, fuck having to do deal with uh, San Diego. We could just put this. We could do a one day or a weekend event ourselves. Like, who was the next one to say? Uh, you know. They cracked the code. Let's make it better. Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. That's a that's a really good. I mean, there's a couple like, uh, options. I mean, even uh, I was gonna say maybe even Warner Brothers or like even uh, I, I don't know well, Sony. Or, well, Fandom is kind of Warner Brothers. Yeah. But no, I I get what Ryan's saying because you you said like HBO Max, like HBO Max can do their own, and that would encompass all of the HBO yeah. titles and stuff. I mean, uh, I guess it really it, that's the thing. Like like DC, the, like this this whole this their formula that did really opened up to anybody, anybody that has like one or two or three or four projects coming out that can garner any interest, they can make a whole whole thing a whole event out of to kind of showcase whatever, even if it's for free, like. DC, like you said earlier, like DC put out all this money and they kind of, uh, they cornered the market. Like I remember when, remember when that happened, like for the whole week, everybody was talking about the Batman trailer, uh, you know, the suicide squad, like, like that was, that that ruled the internet. Like that, that didn't matter how much money they, you know, quote unquote lost or whatever. They, they, they captured that buzz for the longest time. I think that's what that that's the biggest currency so that these people are looking at. So I think it could be literally anybody with just a couple of projects in, in the pipeline, even, I don't know, 
a24 for instance like they could probably, like like you know just uh anybody which would be great I which would be, be great really awesome yeah and I, I feel bill you're probably gonna say disney no you know because i was just looking up that disney d23 is going to be in 2022 that's yeah. what they have announced but i wow. still think star wars because star wars celebration is still a big thing and i think next year it could be a Star Wars year because it's like, okay, you, you were getting Mando season two of the the day this podcast drops. Super excited for. Uh, I, I stupidly volunteered to do the premiere as not if I don't have enough to do. Um, <laughs> Another reason to live. Yes. Um, and, but, you know, you still have Kenobi and you still have other mm-hmm. stuff they're going to do. So I could see it be in Star Wars. But if Dis- D23, I'm wondering if they're going to, like, if Disney's going to take a long, hard look and say, you know what? Let's break it off from Disney. Let's start parsing everything. Let's Dude. have a Pixar. Let's have Marvel. Let's have, you know, let's have Star Wars. Those are our big three hubs. Let's make it that. And they'll have, you know, maybe even rotating years. Yeah, but they got. I I can't see Disney sitting out like to twenty twenty two. I just can't, especially when they lost all this money on the parks. Whether they, you know mm-hmm. we talked about a week or two ago, they're all going to two weeks ago. They're all they're the streaming focus. Like I can't see them holding off for a full year without doing some sort of expo. And with Disney Plus, streaming through Disney Plus, you gotta ask, mm-hmm. you gotta have Disney Plus in order to see all our stuff. I mean, hey, you paid the six ninety nine to do it, you're fine, but. Another reason to download that app or hell Netflix could do it if they wanted to. They have so much content. Yeah, they, they could totally do their own their own festival at this point. And it could be like, here's all of the Oscars, the stuff that's like slated for Oscars for the year. Yeah. Here's all of the new series or the re- new and returning series. Here's all the kids stuff. Here's like there's all these facets they could these avenues they could go down. 100%. Open a Stranger Things Park at this point. Yeah, Netflix is a good pick too. I, I didn't even consider that. Man, Universal um, Studios would be smart if they teamed did like a Stranger Things type park. I know they did a Walking yeah. Dead like attraction, but Stranger Things would be a huge, uh, huge uh, attraction for them. It's yeah. still weird that they don't have that yet. But anyway, yeah, um, right. It's really it's my, <laughs> the only the only one that I'm thinking, and this is a little out of left field too, sure. is a big thing about Comic Con. Um, outside of movies and television is toys and the exclusives and everything, right? And they, I don't think they fa- figured out a way to they did. do that. They didn't. The one company that has attempted to do it is also one of the most popular toys that you would get at these conventions is Funko, Yeah. right? <laughs> so I think that Funko, who is super like involved with their audience, they have been historically, if you if you – if you want a good documentary to watch, um, there's a Funko documentary. I believe it is streaming on Netflix. I bet you Lego Fowler's watched it. He has. He 100%. I have too. It's very good. Um, Lego, but, for that example, too, could do it too. Yeah, well, that, that's what I was going to go at. I was going to say, like, I wonder if, like, the the toy business, I know that they have, like, a toy fair toy. magazine we did. Yeah, we, and, we attended that this year. Like, I feel like a toy fair can figure out a way to make a – um, to make an online or hybrid convention where they can team up with all like the big box retailers and like, you know, you can uh, try to win a lottery to get a toy and then you can literally go pick it up. Like, I feel like there's different ways around it where they can drive a ton of revenue. 
And that's um, a very visual medium too, just like toys and stuff. Oh, so you mean, you, you know, I know a big one, nerd alert, was, uh, and Melissa Jobin, our last week's guest, she attended Toy Fair for us, was um, all the wrestling had their, they, it was like the the preview, the reveal of their figure. So it was a big deal. So imagine like all these wrestling fans who want to go see it, or you have McFarlane toys, you know, yeah. the, the new McFarlane. So people are like, Ooh, I want to see what that, like figure, figure collecting is like such a niche, huge, but huge market. Like, I think Crazy that's much. a, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. I, I, that's I, why I, toy I, fair should hire you Al to that'd be great. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. Well, Not that, you, I Ryan. Think that no, idiot, definitely. No, yeah, I, I am the rare breed of convention goer where, or probably not actually. I, I'm just, I'm just someone who tries to get involved in almost every aspect, right? I'd love the, you know, trying to get sure. the Funko exclusives, uh, trying to go to panels to get, you know, exclusive comics and uh, go to panels to see my favorite creators and, and things like that. So, as someone who's a diehard Comic Con goer. I want them to find a way to recreate all of the experiences and not just, uh, you know, what Comic-Con at home did was like, oh, we're going to show you some panels, right? Mm -hmm. Or what DC Fandom did was we're going to show you some exclusive footage, some stuff that you're not going to find anywhere else, right? They That's like one check. That's another check. Now you need to get the six other checks to make up. Cosplay will be the hardest. Cosplay is it's huge. It's I know, a huge aspect. But it's like it's it's like how do you incorporate that? Well, you figure out how to do um, proper cosplay contests via Zoom or virtual or whatever. And and I know celebrity that they have judges. celebrity judges and all that. That's the thing, right? It's it's never going to be the way that it was. So how can you recreate or how can you uh, you know adapt to make it better? For the times that we're living in now, because I don't see 135,000 people plus gathering anytime soon. No. Even after, and as Ryan said, even after we have like a vaccine and, you know, we have beaten this thing, people are going to be frightened that this could happen again. And they're not going to want to just go into a mosh pit, right? Unless they're like an avid, like, supporter of a specific political party, right? So, don't I don't get political. I'm not. I've already I'm lost not. family members over that one podcast earlier in the month. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, totally. Um, they, all of a sudden, a lot of people went silent and complimenting Wait, this podcast. Oh, well, I guess you don't listen to podcasts, dick. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't either. But uh, it we is, need, we, We'll talk about it later. No, anyway, we got a little – the episode was called The Gang Gets a Little Too Political. We got a little too political. People did not like it. No. Oh no. Oh no. It happens. Eh. We were very frustrated. Uh yeah. but yes. Well so some of us were. Al wasn't frightened for his life. <laughs> no, I wasn't frightened. I just didn't want to get too political. Hence the name of the episode. Uh but yes. Uh this was this uh that was seriously what the fuck. Now we're gonna move into our second segment. Ryan, this is new for you. We move into another segment in this pod. Uh, and that is a slice of fried gold. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! This week's I'm excited for this one. This week's slice of fried gold, uh, I decided on uh, mere hours ago. And it was pretty pretty interesting. On brand for this podcast. Super, super, super on brand for this podcast. Uh, But usually we do something for a slice of fried gold is more of like 
funny internet clip, nothing usually too deep. But this one I thought was uh, something I did not know was coming. I don't know about you guys. But uh, George, George Clooney is directing a new movie for Netflix called The Midnight Sky. Uh, super bearded George Clooney. Hell yeah, by, Hell by yeah brother. The frostiest beard I've ever seen. Like right next to Coca, he looks like the Coca-Cola polar bear. I thought it was him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I mean, very accurate. <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong, guys. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, I'll start with Rye. Rye, what did, you th- what did you think of this trailer? I... You sent it to me because yeah, I saw it. I started. Uh, I saw it get a little buzz a few hours before you mentioned it. I avoided it, not on purpose, but just because it didn't really garner my interest. Um, just by seeing the name, and I was. I'm never. I was never really a huge George Clooney fan. Um, so I was kind of going into it a little weary. But I have to say, um, I was actually. I was actually really into it. It was. It had really, really good. I will say this about George Clooney. I like him as he gets older. He is kind of on my he's, – he's like in the McConaughey Pattinson, even though Pattinson's not older. But like you, you know, you're, they, just, they just grow on you as they get older. And I really do like how Clooney has kind of aged with grace and just kind of just I, – I like I like this sort of – I like this Clooney. I like old man Coca-Cola polar bear Clooney. <laughs> That's the name of the podcast, old man Coca-Cola bear Clooney. <laughs> I'll write this down so I remember it, Al. So, um, <laughs> no, I, I was really – I really caught – I'm trying to think of the vibes I caught from it. I caught – it was very strange. I, obviously, I, like, I was kind of getting flashbacks of like um, Interstellar. Even, even I would say um, – Planet of the Apes in certain ways. Uh, I was really, I was really into. I, I and it was such a simple plot of. Uh, d- did you explain the plot already? I, I, I don't know. I didn't, but I, I will. I will say it now. The post apocalyptic tale follows Augustine Clooney, a lonely scientist in the Arctic, as he races to stop Sully, Felicity Jones, and her fellow astronauts from returning home to Earth, where a mysterious global catastrophe has taken place. Clooney directs the adaptation of. No, I'm kidding. Keep going. Well, he does direct but it. It, he does. it was he does. it was funny because like at first I'm like, oh, is this Gravity Two? Like they they find they found him. Well, like, <laughs> like, but um, no, it was it was really like I found it really enjoyable, really uh, easy to digest, and it kind of it, it, it thankfully didn't give away the whole plot of the movie. Hopefully, but um, good cast, good good uh, good vibes from it. I was really surprised by it. Uh, I'll definitely I'll definitely check it out. It's actually been a long time since a Netflix movie gave me this much interest in wanting to see it. So, uh, yeah, no, I was pleasantly surprised with this one. Bill. It's funny. There, there is a very long relationship in my life, at least with George Clooney. George Clooney was, uh, when you're going gray at 14, you always <laughs> could, uh, point to George Clooney and say, Hey, he's got gray hair. So at least people will be like, Oh, okay. You got Okay, there's one guy out there that people find attractive who's got gray hair. So Clooney's always been a, you know, help me out there. But, you know, we had a long, you know, we wrote a lot about Clooney in the early days of the site. Obviously, we started in 2009. That's like prime Clooney. And my my dad, when he was still alive, would make fun of us for writing how much we we were big fans of Clooney because he did not agree with him politically. So he thought he sucked. Um, But, yeah, we were a lot of Clooney on there. But. Uh, listen, I like Clooney with a gray beard because, hey, 
grab your bodkin. So, you know, keep on that line. But in all seriousness, the initial vibes I got, I'm like, with, especially when we, we cut to the um, spaceship that uh, Clooney is trying to uh, reach with Felicity Jones on it, is uh, remind me of the Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, yeah. A movie a lot I of people that. don't talk about, but fuck Because it's not good. It's I disagree. I think it's a fun movie. It's not the best, but yeah. it's fun. But it Very was was it very no. forgettable? Yeah, sure. But like, it also had one of the great marketing campaigns of all time. Like, because remember they aired, no, because remember they aired it right after the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, it. hey, yeah. guess what? Cloverfield new movie on Netflix drops him in that. Was, that's, not a, that's not. A, that's not a marketing campaign. That's just I, that's just. I want to see that chart. I want to see that that first day chart and then the drop off after oh, that. It doesn't that matter. They got the they, bro. They got the numbers they wanted from the jump. They knew it was going to drop off. But I mean, I'm just saying, like, it was it was super cool that that happened. It was like it was a cultural event. It was fun. Uh, but anyway, uh, this was way heavier than I thought it was going to be because it's a lot about like inv- the environment is. In the, on the earth is imploding because of man-made mistakes and Clooney has to reach out to this spaceship to be like, don't return home or like convey some sort of message. Part of me was wondering if it was going to be like Felicity Jones was the, his daughter in the future. I was like, are they going to do that? Probably not, but it was like, it's Clooney's had like a rough go, I'd say, in the last decade of 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 films of like hits and misses. Like he's had more misses than hits, and um, I feel like this is going to be uh, this could be a a good one. And yeah, he has. I mean, do you remember uh, Catch Twenty Two on Hulu that came out earlier? Yeah, no. No, of course you don't, because it didn't do well. Uh, there's a lot that Clooney's done that has. I'll pull it up real quick. Like his. I mean, remember he did Suburgatory. It didn't really go anywhere. Um, I'll tell you in film in a second. I feel like he dropped off everybody's radar after like Tomorrowland. Everybody was like, what? Like, I, I yeah, really... Tomorrowland. I mean, also, I remember he showed up at Comic-Con for that. Tom- Tomorrowland, Hail Caesar, Money Monster, Monuments Men. That's since oh, 2014. Yeah. Not exactly a lot of hits there. Uh, Suburbicon. He directed, didn't really hit. The last big thing where people were like, oh shit, you know, he had that run from 2011 to 13 with the Ides of March, The Descendants, and Gravity, which is all big money, big time award stuff. And of course, in 2009, Up in the Air, which is just like that movie. Oh, devastating. And also, love that movie. Really good. I just feel he's one of those weird actors. Like, he could totally have one of those five-year strong five-year runs but he's he just comes off as very choosy with his projects and they're weird choices and like you said most half of them are misses and stare goats was another you one can't, you can't even say like you can't even say with a straight face like oh but the ones he chooses like they're they might not be good but they're not they're like critical hits they're not like i don't know they're weird they're weird choices i feel like he, he doesn't go for a layup a lot of the times no i feel like he could have had he could have went like two different directions and then but he couldn't decide what he wanted to do like he could have went the Clint Eastwood route of I'm gonna direct every movie that I'm in for now on I'm gonna make the movies that I want to make and I'll star in them and he 
didn't do that because then he started to be in other, he continued to be in other people's movies, right? Like he could have also been in the Leonardo DiCaprio route. I've got, I'm only going to star in the highest quality. Like I'm only going to be in the Scorsese movies, and I'm only going to be in the uh, in a in a Rito. What was the the guy yeah. did Revenant? Yeah, like, so, yeah. I'm only going to be in like those. I'm going to be like Tarantino or Bust. Well, he kind of was because remember he was like a Coen Brothers staple in the early 2000s. Yes. And so but, he kind of went like – and that's when he – remember he had that run post-ER where he was like – everyone's oh, like, yeah. let's make him like the peacemaker in one fine day and all these movies. And you're like, these movies suck. And then it, he got into – he <laughs> fell in with Soderbergh with, with Ocean's Eleven. He fell in with the Coens with Old Brother Were Out There. And people are like, These are odd. this is an odd casting choice. And mm-hmm. he did really well with it. I mean, yeah. I remember the first one. I think one of the first, I mean, people love Out of Sight. And that's a movie when I first saw it. I'm like, ah, I didn't like it, but I got to go back to it. Because if you look at, you know, post-ER he did From Dust Till Dawn, which I love. Mm-hmm. Super cheesy, but it's fun. Ryan loves that movie. One Crazy. Fine Day. Batman and Robin, the Peacemaker, fucked me in the face. Those are terrible. <laughs> yeah, a thin red line. He didn't have a huge part in it. But then Three no Kings, one, no one did. Three Kings, everyone was in it. Three Kings I, with David O. I Russell. Did like three, kings. three Kings, where everyone's like, oh, maybe Perfect Storm made money. But then he did Oh Brother Where Art There, Ocean's Eleven, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, and you're like, everyone's just like, oh. And then he did Good Night and Good Luck, and everyone's like, oh, when he does different shit. He's like, and he's like with the right director. He does really great. I still think his best movie is Michael Clayton. Yeah, but you just said it yourself. Like those two that were like, oh shit, were Confessions of Dangerous Mind and um, what was the other one you just said before that? Uh, oh, brother. No, no. Uh, after that, Confessions of Dangerous. Oh, and Good Night, and Good Luck. So his two directorial movies. Like that's what I'm saying. Like he should have just did those afterwards, and he would have been golden. I think. Yeah, but he also directed uh, Leatherheads, which was not good. Again, I'm saying there's going to be a dud in there. Eastwood has duds. I mean, look at the mule. I'm saying that I think that's the career that he probably should have did instead of just like, I'm going to do. But he's also weird because like he'll do like, like like I said, he did Descendants, Ides of March and Gravity. And then he follows a whole bunch of shit. And then he's, I feel like he's, he's a, he's like a streaky baseball hitter who's just like all of a sudden he'll like get three in a row that are really good and then three or four that are really bad and then he'll yeah. get three or four that are really good. He just also has great range because he could he be does. in something like this, which is basically looks like Logan in the snow. Yeah, and then, yeah. Right. And then, and then he could do burn be, after reading, which I'm literally fucking was just about to say, because I love that movie to death. And you got to, like, I just want to do somewhere I could do butt crunches. I get like a pedestrian <laughs> path. I can run down. Uh, I will Ryan knows this, but I quote every other month. The, Don't even finish your sentence. Yeah, I already know what you're about to say. Who are you? Yes. Who do you work for? <laughs> I mean, it's just like anytime someone mentions a bicycle, I'm just like, he thinks it's a Schwinn. I am yeah. like, or um, anytime, like, you know, early on in the Trump presidency, not getting political, but you'll get my joke. It's just like, yeah. it's like the Russians. I'm like, the Russians? Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like that great line for Burn After Reading. This is a Burn it's, After Reading sad podcast, I have yeah, to say. It it's is such probably, a good movie. That, that's another one that grew on me. I didn't like it at first. Can we say that's the most underrated Coen Brothers movie and just be done with it? Sure, because a lot of people hate it. 
Yeah, and they're dumb for thinking. Remember the one? Remember crazy. the remember the private detective? He stops. Who's like? Who are you with? He's like something Cohen and Marsh. He's like, who's that? He's like, is that a law firm? He's like, no, it's a rock band. Yes, it's a law firm. <laughs> <laughs> I oh can't think god. of Jamba Juice without thinking of Brad Pitt. Yeah, Juice. Yeah. Oh my god. The, the, anyway, yeah, this movie looks good. That <laughs> he's doing now, it looks yeah. heavy as shit. Uh, it does, and I, and I think it definitely has um, this stuff. I don't know what's going to happen with the Oscars, yeah. but like, I don't, I don't he's know. Gonna, but this has definitely potential for Oscars. I think it has he potential. Will, he will get nominated. The movie won't. It looks. I like mean, I don't just, know because like we don't we don't know what's really up, you know, or what's happening. I get that. But can saying, we assume it's going to be like? Netflix just running the gambit on everything. <laughs> it's going to be a, a Netflix mean, yeah, Oscar. I mean, we don't because we don't know what else is going to be released in theaters coming up. Yeah. Well, look, we're we're seeing that you know uh, coming to coming to America is uh, coming to Prime. Prime. We talked yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so maybe we didn't. Just, maybe that was another podcast. I don't know. I I think we briefly mentioned, but I, I think we're going to start seeing these like Soul going to Disney mid, Plus. Yeah. Mid mid budget. Slash like hundred million dollar movies are going to start coming to streaming. There was a huge rumor this week that we could have talked about as the WTF. Just say it. That that well, No I'm... Time to Die was being oh I didn't know that for purchasing yeah. by Apple and Netflix, but they apparently wanted six hundred million dollars for wow. it. If net if either if Apple landed that, that would have been the biggest boon for Apple, man, because like they have not had a project yet. I think that has driven a shitload of people to it. If they were like, hey, you can only stream No Time to Die on Apple TV Plus, I don't give a shit. I'm signing up for Apple TV Plus. I don't care what you're asking for a month. I want to see the new James Bond film. I have seen every James Bond film out there. I'm signing up for it. Yeah. The thing, crazy thing is, though, like now the, that conversation's happening. Like a James Bond property is now, now, like they're not, like now streaming services aren't being laughed out of the room for that. Now the the it's on the table. Yeah. Uh, MGM was like, okay, we can talk bond, but the conversation starts at 600 million. It's a lot of, a lot of fucking money, but like, you know, Hey, yeah. but like if it gets pushed, you know, cause now the dates next April, if that gets pushed back, that talk can happen again. I, yeah. And if you're Apple, and your streaming service has been as unsuccessful as it has been. You 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 might pull that trigger, but it's only for the thing is it's. I think the only holdup really for the streaming service is it's so much money for just a two one hour, thing twenty minute it's movie. No, I understand that, but I mean, if you're, but you also have to think of like when you we've talked about it on this podcast before. Hamilton was for free. Seventy-two percent increase of subscription at Disney Plus. Blackest King goes to Disney Plus. Look at the yeah. huge uptick of subscribers. You're holding these people. Yeah, you're going to have some people drop off after a month, but if they're going to dive into your catalog, maybe they stick around. I don't know. And I think for but that's that's the thing. They don't. No one has the strategy yet. No, they don't. How do you, they don't. How do you keep people on if you're not consistently bringing I think new Disney content is the only one into their faces, right? And Disney Plus and Netflix too, yeah. Disney Plus and Netflix is kind of already there, and yeah. a lot of the streaming platforms are in. The, they had an idea. They have an idea, yeah. A a pandemic hits and everything gets halted. We were supposed to have three MCU shows 
we're getting one, one and it's yeah. at the end of the year. Like yeah. Disney had a plan for you to sit down and put on Disney Plus once a week, minimum. That plan shifted, and now they are restructuring their entire business model to accommodate that because guess what? Theaters are not open to full capacity yet. So Neither are their parks. If Apple, if Apple, yeah, exactly. And if Apple TV is going to spend $600 million to get a No Time to Die, what happens next? Yeah, and is someone paying a billion next. dollars for something else? No, I'm not even saying what happens next in the industry. I'm saying what happens next for Apple TV Plus because, as you said, people are going to flock – to go watch Hamilton, right? But are they going to stay to pay for Mulan? They would have to. They but would also have to in for a deal, like a multi-month deal, then or something. Yeah, they because couldn't... like because Apple TV doesn't have the back catalog of Disney. Like you can't say like, hey, well, where else you're going to watch Cinderella, and where else you're going to watch all the MCU movies? Yeah. Like Apple TV Plus, like their whole gimmick was we don't have a back catalog. It's mm-hmm. like here's Snoopy and the Peanuts. And here's that Bruce Springsteen documentary, and here's the Beastie Boys documentary, and a couple of shows you didn't watch. So they don't really have a ton for you to stick around for. Yeah, Netflix does. Oh, Netflix. Yeah, of course. But how? Like, who isn't on Netflix yet? Like, I don't understand their business model of still spending money because how are there more people who are not subscribed to Netflix or stealing a password? Because it's not it's not available over the world. Probably. How are they printing their own money by now? That's true. Uh, but yeah, so we didn't want to talk about that, but we did anyway. Hey, well, I mean, um, it all fits because, I mean, it's like you're talking yeah. about a movie with George Clooney that, like, I, when you told me that was coming to Netflix, I did not expect that because when I hear George Clooney Oscar bait type film, I expect that's coming from a uh, theater. Yeah, but again, from a two-way theater, I'm sorry. Again, we live in a world where uh, one of the most nominated movies at the Oscars last year was The Irishman, which was a Netflix movie. Yeah, and Roma before that. And Roma before that. Yeah, there's a whole new world of just like it's there. I don't think streaming should be considered streaming anymore. It's just it's just another way to watch movies. It's insane. It's insane. Like, like, I don't know. I mean, the conversation could be totally different. Not to go completely off track, but like streaming could be king by this time next year. If this pandemic is not sort of curbed by midway next year. There's going to be a lot less theaters, a lot less moviegoers. It's going to be streaming, and that's going to be predominantly it. Yeah, and all the studios are so late to the party. Like we have NBC coming out with their app now. We had CBS before that and HBO even between those two. It's just like everyone was just like this this streaming thing's not going to be a big part of – you know, they're not going to take a lot of business away from us. Absolutely incorrect and – uh, they were way behind, and now they're even further behind because of the pandemic. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I think with Disney saying that they're going to um, put more of their effort into streaming, um, more of their more of their business model, seeing Soul coming to Disney Plus uh, during Christmas next year, early next year, we're gonna. I mean, there's going to be some movies big. Big, big movies oh, that yeah. we were supposed to see in theaters that are going to hit streaming. And it's because they're not going to have any money to finance anything else if they don't start making revenue. They can't just sit on a Fast and Furious movie for three years. Like, they, yeah. it's just not possible, right? 
I it's mean, not they, sustainable. Yeah. MGM, they said they, they lost earnings up to $50 million for pushing back bonds so long already. Yeah. Like they're losing many, money by not releasing these movies. How many times are you going to market a movie that isn't going to be yeah. like, you know, uh, we could talk about New Mutants. Wonder that movie Woman 84. Five times. Yeah. yeah, Wonder Woman like that. So yeah. this is, uh, it's going to be interesting. We could talk about this every week because it's going to be a new development every week like this of what the hell is going to happen in the entertainment industry uh, if theaters don't open, if parks don't open, if conventions don't happen. Every, this is a, it's a crazy ripple effect that is just so unpredictable. Yeah. I, 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 every week I'm, I'm just shocked and you know, it's, it's super interesting. Shake your head. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe that, I can't believe I'm reading this or I can't believe this yeah. is actually happening. Yeah, and I, we talked about it I think during the the, the podcast where Cat and Cole were on last it was just like I was yelling to the point of like you have this content. You're you're you have the means to deliver it and we want to pay for it. You're losing money at this point. Yeah, it, 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 it's no, people have not moved. It's and it's in every industry of moving past the par- the old paradigms of double dipping, triple dipping on a property mm-hmm. of of having the theater, having the VOD, then selling the rights to a premium cable streamer, then selling the rights again to a basic cable streamer. I mean, when Avatar, you know, went to F, you know, I think went to FX, they paid like a mint for it. You know what I mean? Like that's. You know, that's where these movies make their money. You know, it's just like I got the U.S. receipts. I got the the international receipts. Then I got the VOD. Then I got all this other stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's the problem. It's like now they're not going to have that double and triple dipping. They're just going to have streaming kind of eliminates a lot of that. But um, I'm going to take over the podcast for a minute because Alphonse has to, you know, See a man about a horse, as my dad would say. So we're going to get into the watch list, which is basically our uh, weekly segment about movies and or TV shows we're watching that are keeping us happy during this time of quarantine. Uh, Now in October, obviously, this is the last week we're going to be doing it, talking about recommendations for the spooky season for Halloween. So, Ryan, uh, what do you got for us? So, yeah, so I was curious. So are you guys – do you guys keep it uh, mostly just for – so, like, for this particular week, like, do you guys aim towards movies or TV shows current? It doesn't matter. It's just it, 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 anything towards, like, Halloween-centric that people can hang out, watch, and enjoy. Halloween-centric, people can watch and enjoy. I mean, I could go a, a couple different ways. My initial, my initial, my knee-jerk reaction goes to Stranger Things, only because... Great choice. It, only because it's really sort of like a perfect conglomerate of all all the the scares, the thrills, the laughs, the nostalgia, the camaraderie between you know friends fearing for their life, and you have the spooky monsters. I feel like I really don't need to plug for it too much because it's such a huge cultural critical mass uh you know following and the uh, pretty- i got back to, i re-signed up for netflix after years of uh being away from yeah yeah there you go exactly it's one of the it's one of netflix's truest properties that will honestly take them and for the till the you know that's one of those properties that like hey 
I better hang on to Netflix for the next five years. I want to see the next five seasons of a show like that. Or, you know, if you can't really name too many other Netflix properties that like immediately you can, you know, you could say to your girlfriend, to your neighbor, to your mother-in-law, they're all be like, yeah, we saw it. It's great. Like it kind of hits, it hits everything. It hits all the bases. Um, uh, so that would be my sort of my home run choice to kind of cover all the bases. Of course. Well, let me, t- let me ask you this now that we have three seasons of stranger things, which one is your favorite? I think probably again, knee jerk reaction. I'm going to go ahead and say probably two. Wow. Uh, I know it's not enough. That's not a popular pick. I know. I know. It's very divisive. Al, uh, just catching up. I said Stranger Things uh, just kind of hits all oh. the all the all the bases and stuff. Two. Uh, yeah, that's what I said. I'm like two of all season. Well, it's Ryan DeMarco. No one likes him. Well, so no, makes, listen. That's a pick. D- d- defend, defend your two. So, number two just shows. I mean, to me, season one is in its humblest form of the show. It didn't really know. I guess. I mean, there's, I, I, I understand, I will say this, I understand a little bit of the complaints to two. I even appreciate the divisive episode that everybody shits on, but, um, to, you know, one, season one was in its humblest form. Season three, I, I still love, but I felt like it kind of went on a little long. Two, I could even argue for the same thing, but it, it just featured so many, so many different things. I, I enjoy the new, the new characters, the new, the, the, the camaraderie after the show kind of knew they were a big hit. I always dig on, I mean, it depicts them running around in Ghostbusters outfits, uh, on Halloween night. You have Paul Reiser, you have, uh, you have, uh, what's the girl's name? Max. You have her douchey little stepbrother. I love those characters. Fuck that guy. Billy. Uh, Billy. Total, total D bag. Um, anyone named Bill's a douchebag, so. And of course, uh, oh no, I'm blanking. What Sean Aston. Sean Aston. I almost said uh, Sean Bean. Definitely not him. No. Uh, well, they suffer a similar fate. Sean Aston. <laughs> Sean Aston is an incredible character run on that show. Um, I I just appreciate that. See, I, that just for I think specifically this week, just the just the nostalgia of of Halloween that season kind of hits me. If you asked me, maybe in a month, I might say a different season. But for now. I think just on the eve of Halloween, uh, that season sort of hits home for me. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I would, I would just binge that just cause it kind of captures, it hits all of the, I could have went in a, a thousand different areas for this pick, but I, that kind of hits everything with the, the scares, the comedy, again, the nostalgia. That's my pick. I'm going stranger things any season. I'm still going to stick with season one. I mean, I enjoyed the shit out of season three, but Season one, still, it's just a magical season, and it has that, you know, while the Halloween vibe is strong and awesome in season two, and, like, the, the full, a lot of the strong 80s vibe is there in season three, uh, something about season one, it's just still, it's just, I don't think any season's going to touch it. Although, I have to say, it's season two, the end of season, uh, no, that's season two, no, the end of season three, the, the final scene was just devastating. But yeah. Al, if you're picking a season of Stranger Things, what is it? Uh, I think one is pretty perfect, and I don't, I don't remember the last time before that, uh, uh, such a cultural 
movement yeah. from a television show. Like Stranger Things, and it was such a word of mouth yeah. kind of explosion, right? Like that was something that had real no buzz beforehand, uh, starring a cast of almost uh, it's just all. Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder was the uh, and you know David Harbour was a uh, you know a uh, okay. character actor. Yeah. Um, not you know now he's a star. Um, that was I think season one uh, was just again so monumental monumental to pop culture uh i am a huge fan of season three i love the vibe i love the 80s uh you know the super 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 uh, 80s mall motif that they did um you had the amazing amazing chemistry between um uh was it maya maya hawk is there no oh, yeah it? maya hawk maya hawk and joe keery joe keery uh, the scoops, the the whole scoops ahoy bunch was perfection, iconic. Um, and birth one of the best Halloween costumes ever too, best couples costume, I will say, with the scoops ahoy uh, costume. Don't forget Lucas's sister. Oh, the sister's amazing too. Yeah, that's why I said the whole bunch. They were friend, they were fantastic. Uh, yeah, so I, I would say three, just because I was a huge fan of that. But one is just you can't you can't deny how big one was for uh, pop yeah. culture. Yeah. It's ground shattering. Earth shattering is the right term, but that's why no one likes you. Groundbreaking. Uh, groundbreaking. There you go. Uh, so I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with a classic. Um, I mean, I could go with something super scary or whatever, but you know, being a dad and uh, enjoying the Halloween season as much as I have over the last uh, sixty days is uh, I'm going to go with a classic. I'm going to go with Nightmare Before Christmas and. As my daughter would say, why is it a perfect movie? So, because obviously you can watch it during Halloween and Christmas. Um, it's just, you know, I'd only seen it once and then going back to it, it's just, I mean, this is not a new movie, but it's still, to me, visually, is still this audacious and stunning film that holds up, uh, especially if you have a 4K TV like I just bought. Listen, it's the first TV I've ever bought in my life. Everything I've had has been a hand-me-down, so don't think I'm some sort of rich bastard. Um, and I got a deal in Amazon Prime Day. Is um, it, it, it's it's just so stunning to watch visually. The music is amazing. Fuck. Danny Elfman singing uh, is just fantastic. Uh, Catherine O'Hara, Catherine O'Hara as Sally is just wonderful, and, and it's just got a great heart. And it's just, but it's also perfect for Halloween because it's still scary and it still can be a little creepy. And it's got this wonderful early Tim Burton vibe where Tim Burton literally can do no wrong. And um, it's just one of the most wonderful movies I think ever made. And it, and definitely if you, if you're a parent, if you haven't watched it, my daughter's five. And if your kids into Halloween, yes, this is totally cool for you to watch it. Um, and if you're an adult, this is still a great movie to get swept away in. It's just so much fun. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is my pick for the watch list this week. It's almost like a, uh, I mean, it, it's definitely on my list. It's like, it's sort of at that status. It's one of those like three movies. I feel that it's just like a rite of passage for Halloween. Yeah. Which one really, would be the other two movies that you say are a rite of passage for Halloween? Um... Probably Hobo with a Shotgun. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good pick, though. <laughs> uh, 
uh, Edward Penis Hands. And uh, Al, what's your what's your take? <laughs> he, he had nothing. He was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> he had nothing. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready for a follow up. Wasn't ready for a follow up. No, I mean, uh, I, I had um, I, I had Ghostbusters as another choice. Yeah. That's a good one. Can't you say like, I mean, I guess even just someone who doesn't like horror movies, I would say like Nightmare Before Christmas, not a horror movie, obviously, but Halloween movie. And then maybe like uh, Halloween. Hocus Pocus is up there. Hocus Pocus. That's a good one. I saw the Um, first half of that two weeks ago. I was like, oh, this is fun. So that's such a cute movie. I'm going to keep going with this weird like niche horror comedy route that I've been doing on uh last couple weeks so we talked about uh tucker and dale versus evil uh one of my one of my favorite horror comedies uh we talked about was another one i mentioned uh, community oh that was last yeah so last week i was talking about um good halloween comedy episodes and i, I think that the ep- epistemology episode from season two of community is amazing um i know i mentioned another one but but besides the point, I'm going to talk about one that almost no one has heard of that I watched, uh, I think, earlier this year or last year. Uh, and it's called Anna and the Apocalypse. You are the only which, person who's uh, seen that. Yeah. So, what did it come out um, last year? Uh, 2017. Holy shit. It was that long ago? Yeah. It was Jeez. just one of those like indie movies that was coming out and then came out and just, just didn't make a big splash. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie and if you never heard of it it's basically like what if Shaun of the dead was also a musical so it's a it's like a romantic zombie comedy musical with all original music um so it it is uh, if, if you like musicals and you like uh horror comedies this is kind of perfect for you um the uh the, i do want to shout out the uh, the lead actress because she was fantastic in this um ella hunt who plays Anna Shepard. Um, she was really great in this. And uh, the just the, the writing, the music, the, the songs are actually very, very enjoyable. And I think people will be pleasantly surprised with it. Was this uh, it is actually Christmas time? On... The film? Or, uh, or was it released during Christmas time? I feel like it was released at an odd... It, not in October it, for some reason. It's during Christmas, yeah. which makes it even better. Um, <laughs> so it's not necessarily a Halloween movie, but it totally is. Uh, so yeah, de- definitely check out Anna and the Apocalypse. It is streaming on Hulu. Um, I also will mention, since this is our last Halloween episode, and we will be getting off the topic. For the love of all that is holy, if you have not watched FX's What We Do in the Shadows, you absolutely must do that. You are doing yourself a disservice by not watching Jackie quite Daytona. possibly the funniest show on television. Um it is, I mean, just, I'll just say facts right now. There's a, a you know, there's an Emmy category for best, uh, best writing, right? I believe best writing yes. for a comedy. It had not one, not two, but three different episodes nominated for that category. Did it win? It should have. It did not. Which is insane. But to have three episodes nominated in the same category, you know that the show is amazing and it's become an emmy darling um it is a, again the funniest show on television it's the best please watch it and bill i've specifically told you there is an episode um that has become like beyond cult 
status and it has Mark Hamill in it, it's fantastic. You will love it. And please, I, I, I beg of thee, you need to watch the show. I feel like Jackie Daytona is going to become the, the, the character very soon. Yeah, yeah. So that's that is the episode, and I, I'm hoping to see some Jackie Daytona's uh, for Halloween this year on, on the social medias because that is a, a great costume. Uh, but yeah, so those are my uh, two picks: and in the apocalypse, and uh, what we do in the shadows. Well, you know what time it is next, Al. Um, no, because we uh, we're gonna skip this week, so no Mother- no no singing, motherfucker. Yeah, we're not, we're not no skipping singing. this week. We are, we're 100% skipping it, dude. What is it? No, we're not. No, Music in a time of quarantine. Son of a bitch. I didn't realize that was a bit. Um, so Music <laughs> in a qu- Time of Quarantine, of course, is our, you know, hey, our recommendations for people to check out. And I'm going to jump the line. I'm just going to do it because I feel very strongly about my pick and Al's going to hate me because I'm sure it's his pick. Um, and that is Bruce Springsteen's letter to you. Um I listened to the record when it came out on Friday. I also had the honor of uh, review of reviewing and watching the documentary uh, directed by Tom Zimney, who has been a Springsteen documentarian going back to live in New York City in 2001. Um, I just re- wrote a review of this on thepopbreak.com. It uh, was released on October 27th, which was Tuesday. Go check it out. Um, I think this is one of the best Bruce Springsteen records in total uh, in a very long time. And uh, and I think if you like the record, and I know, Al, you like the record, and we're watching the documentary. I don't know if you finished it or not yet. I think it's a perfect companion piece to the album because it serves almost as a director's commentary to what this record was about. Because if you listen to this record, it, it's very different. Like, the lyrics hit you in a way that it's very emotional. It's more impactful than you. I've, I've at least felt with a Springsteen record in quite some time. And the East street band just feels so much tighter and fuller and more bombastic and, uh, very reminiscent of their days of, of yore, but with 45 years of experience and temper and rain in all those excesses, uh, except for the, you know, seven minute time, uh, song lengths that I know Al hates. Uh, but, when you listen to the documentary, you find out, and it was very surprising to find this out because lyrically you're like, you know, you would think Bruce being a guy who's very political, you know, you'd be talking about, the songs would be about, you know, the Trump presidency and everything going on. I mean, this was recorded in 2009 pre-COVID, but, you know, talking about the political and environmental and social unrest that we've been going through in the last four years of the Trump presidency because, hey, he did it during the Bush presidency. So it all makes sense. However, when you listen, when you listen to Springsteen's very leather and narration, almost a confessional about the record, it's not Bruce, the rock star. It's not Bruce, the guy from Asbury Park, New Jersey. It's not Bruce talking, the political activist or Bruce, you know, talking about the denim jacket wearing every man. It's the, it's the, feelings of a 71 year old man dealing with mortality and basing a lot of these songs off the losses of East street band members, Clarence Clemens, and Danny Federici, who were two of his close, two close friends of his and the final outside of Bruce final living member of his original band, the Castiles uh, from when he was a kid. And this is about a man in his seventies talking about the back end of his life 
the back end possibly of his band and the back end of everything and just trying to come to terms with that. And I feel like that's more of a universal conversation than politics because we can, people can poke holes in his political talks about being a limousine liberal or talk about the working man because he's a millionaire. How can he relate to any working man? It's this universal thing that we're all going to have to deal with or have dealt with is death and the, the ever after and listening to him talk about this and then going back and listening to the record. It's not just, it's not some morbid bleak, you know, meditation on death. It's about the celebration of life. It's about the celebration of being in the E street band. It's a celebration about, taking the most positive things in your life and, and moving forward with it, but while also reflecting on the past and reflecting on what's to come. And I just think this might be the great, the best record they've ever done because it's talking about this and you're going to get the big sax solos from Jake Clemens. You're going to get the big sound from the E street band. But I think lyrically Springsteen is on a, on a level he hasn't been in so long. And this is a great, great record. And um, we've talked about this record before. And I have to pick a song from it because that's what we do. So just I'm just going to pick a song real quick because honestly, if you're a Springsteen fan, this is a great, this is a must listen record. Um, even, and if you're not a Springsteen fan, I think this is a great place to start. You know, I know Rosalita and Thunder Road and all that stuff. They're all the classics, but maybe get into this one because this might be, might surprise you. Um, I'm going to go with um, The Power of Prayer as a song, and it's a song not about literally about prayer. It's um, about music, and it's about the power of music and what it holds within, and it's just a great song. I've talked about other songs on this record. That's why I didn't pick you know, the singles, but Power Prayer is my song, but go listen to Letter to You by Bruce Springsteen. I think it's the best record of 2020. And even though it doesn't deal with the current topics of right now, um, I think it, it, it really gives you, it, it talk about, talking about life and death, I think speaks to moments of empathy and sympathy and being a better person and trying to create the best possible days you have left on this earth, no matter how young you are, and creating a better world because of it and i think that's a that's something we can all not only appreciate but all can apply to our lives and that's something i think that's pretty great and it's a, it's a deeply emotional and moving record so that's the most i've ever talked about a song so i don't know whoever wants to go next can take up my sappy's happiness I, i'll i'll go next because i i want to i want to talk about mine mine's kind of like out of left field and uh not really something i would it's, usually pick it's phoenix it's uh uh, it's not because they had no new uh, songs come out this week. It would be Phoenix if that were the case. But no, I, I just, again, kind of a, a sharp left turn from anything else I would talk about. It's uh, Bruce Springsteen's Letter to You. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, so, you know, rarely do Bill and I actually do the same pick, but uh, I am someone who has never listened to a full Bruce Springsteen album before. I was someone who would always hear the hits. We talked, uh, both Bill and I talked, uh, you know, about being able to see him live, you know, me having the chance of taking his photo and that how huge of a moment that was for someone who just 
knew of this man and not really dug deep into his discography. But I so enjoy this album. Um, but since Bill already beautifully said why this album is great, I will just say the other song because Bill took the one, one of the ones I was going to say. Power Prayer is fantastic. Yeah, it was. It's a toss up with so many. Specifically, after you hear him talk about it during the in the documentary. That's why that song even hits you harder. Um, I loved Last Man Standing. And because of the other story that he's talking about, about his first band and him literally being the last living member of his first band that he was with for three years in the end of the 60s, which is crazy to think about that, that Bruce was in basically a covers band. Uh, for you know, three of his like most formidable years, uh, kind of uh, prepping him to be this superstar uh, that would only come a few years later. Um, the Last Man Standing is great, and I love that the entire album, while you can clearly hear the E Street Band in each song, he kind of changes up his styles uh, within each one, right? Yeah. So. Uh, you know, Letter to You sounds completely different than Burn and Train. And Burn and Train is 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 a banger. Like that is that's some they're you know, they're going ham on that one. And that is not something that Springsteen has ever said in his entire life. But um, He might have, dude. He's a pretty he's a pretty dumb. I don't know. Guy. I will tell you right now that uh just, just to as a little aside and, and to plug some podcasts, uh his interview on Conan's podcast is is great. Uh, so but, definitely check out Conan so- Conan Needs a Friend. It's so funny because if you if you ever I, I have a book um, I haven't read his autobiography but there's another Springsteen book I have which is talking about him. It's like this dude is he he evolved in the Asbury Park music scene, which is where we plant our cultural flag. I mean, we always say we have an office there. We don't have an office there. Um, it's 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 he was like every musician in Asbury Park who came up working the coffee houses and working the upstage and the Green Mermaid and the Wonder Bar and and, and the the um, oh gosh, like the sunrise in and like like all, all sorts of stuff. that's the wrong name of the place I'm sure, but like he worked the clubs, he worked the local scene. This wasn't a guy who got discovered right away. He was he was one of the people you could run into carrying a guitar case around Asbury Park, and that's why I think is the coolest thing because he's like one of he's a he, his band has made billions of dollars, you know, touring, and they've never been as popular. And people are going out in droves to see them, and yet here they are. They could literally just do whatever the fuck they wanted to. They could have made a, a an okay album. They could have made a complete Jersey Shore Party Rock album. They could have made this whole anti-Trump record, but they didn't. They went for something really audacious and really clo- personal, and they could have got a pass for being a, ba- a band for 45 years, but they went out and put their best record in a long time together. I think that's super fucking cool. Uh, Rye, what is your pick? And I swear to God, if it's Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, so it's this guy from Jersey. He, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, just to, just to kind of uh, end cap what you guys both said. Uh, like you said, they could have went for a uh, cheap little, not slant, not cheap, but like a slam piece of the time. But I think what they, the effort they just put out will kind of reflect in time, showing just what an icon, what, what an icon Bruce is and all that um, for my pick. Uh, since I wasn't aware we were going to do something like this today, uh, I will just um, my pick Do- is doesn't have to be a new song, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so the monster I, mash. I, 
I'll just uh, now. I mean, I, listen. I haven't listened to a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of music this uh, lately, but I will say the one thing that did stand out to me. I don't know if you guys covered it already. I'll just I'll just cover the whole album. Uh, the Strokes' new album, the new Abnormal, um, that stood out to me this year. That's really the latest I've listened, um, yeah. and I did quite enjoy it. I enjoyed. Um, if you had to pick a song off of that one, what would it be? Uh, probably the adults are talking or, uh, that one, that one just, I, as a whole, the album, especially that, uh, that was one of the songs that stood out. It just kind of felt like, uh, the strokes were back to their creative heights and it was just kind of, uh, it just, it was kind of the best they put out in a long time. I mean, it, their first album, their last album was, I can't even remember how, how long ago. I think Al and I were angles? still in high school. That wasn't angles, was it? <sighs> Probably. No, no, no. It was uh, uh, um, was it Come Down Machine? Hold uh, on, that's gonna bother me. But yeah, no, Ryan, uh, that's a great pick, and it's actually mentioned uh, both I and Cat on two different podcasts uh, uh, earlier. Earlier when the album when the album came out, we we talked about that. Um, it's it we has, loved it too. Yeah, yeah. It, it was is. Come Down. So Angles was 2011, and then Come Down Machine was 2013. So it was their first new album in seven years. Wow. Uh, but it's also also great timing because uh, the Strokes, the basically uh, my my, uh, my dream scenario of an SNL guest. It's Mulaney as the host, and the Strokes are going to be the musical guest uh, this uh, this coming weekend. So was, that's uh, good timing. It's Literally, cool. you took the words out of my mouth. That was the only reason I, I thought of them because I feel like the the album kind of came and went. As I feel like most of their stuff does, it really kind of gets swept away. But uh, yeah, so they they will be coming back this weekend uh, on Halloween Day, which was part of the reason I brought them up, uh, just to kind of just to see them just to see them perform. Um, but that album stood out to me this year. I thought it was I thought it was really good. They're back to their roots, kind of showing their age uh, in in all the right areas with the the synthy beats, the sort of disco uh, craze that they always do. Uh, they're they're just such a fun time. They're they really are. They're just the shine of happiness that you want to listen to in a time like this. So uh, obviously, um, Bill and Al are uh, much more passionate at mouth when it comes to uh, music but uh that, that was that's my pick i just almost like to cry on this podcast once a month so that's why i put that on there um, i mean you you bleed passion into this podcast that's why well i'm not drunk this time so i mean that helps uh but i think Mulaney. like i'm very excited for Mulaney. just a sidebar like Mulaney on snl this week because like we've mentioned a few times recently that snl has just been a complete drip it's like who gives a shit um, it, it has not been funny and, and Mulaney, like, I mean, we talked about the lobster diner scene, the, the boat was the airport bodega scene. Like, like there's so many great musical <laughs> numbers he's done. So many great sketches he's done coming back to SNL. I just think that like, this is, especially with an, sorry, Al, especially with the election coming up. And I think it's a very high stress situation having yeah. John Mulaney on like Al and I and Melissa Jobin, our guest last week talked about like are the few people we can laugh at during this time. I think he's one of them. And uh, it's very welcome for me, at least it's a very welcome SNL guest. 
So he is one of those voices that kind of uh, can go through. Like he, as you remember from the last election, who was the voice we clung to after that? It was Chappelle on SNL the week after sure. or the Saturday after. So I'd be surprised I mean, we'll Chappelle need... again. To do we know who's going to host after the election? Uh, no, I don't believe so. No, if it was Chappelle just... again, that'd be that'd be kind of funny. That would be that would be that would be insane. I'm back. Uh, no, uh, so uh, he is. Yeah, it's a like really. It's a really weird Chappelle impersonation, by the way. That was that yeah. was my Ohio Chappelle. That was that was Ohio Chappelle. Um, so <laughs> Glad you um, have a very regional <laughs> Chappelle impersonation. I have. I Wait, have, you I don't? Have, yeah. You don't? Have no, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm I, like I, if there's one thing I I am not talented at in life, it's my region regional Chappelle impersonations. Well, you know if I. If if I'm on the show more, I can I can show some of my my talents of just be a pick you know I I can do anything from different areas to different years. Just let me know. Um, I mean, if you could do you know, uh, oh god, I totally forgot. Uh, Star is born, Chappelle. That would be great. I need you to smoke about forty packs of cigarettes before you do it. But <laughs> I'll do. I'll, done, I, could, done. I could do. Bradley, like, I just got to grind my teeth. Well, uh, go ahead. All right. Well, Al, I'm not taking over hosting this podcast. Yeah, no, uh, you're good. So uh, moving on to our final segment and hopefully our quickest segment. It is the thing that is keeping us alive. The thing that is keeping us uh, going. It's also known as the glimmer of hope. Glimmer of hope. Oh, boy, oh, boy. This week's longest fucking glimmer of hope promo. I know, right? I liked it, though. Thank you. So, uh, Glimmer of Hope this week, man. Um, this was an easy one. Jared Leto. Jared Leto is coming to the Suicide Squad. He's no. that, baby. No, he's not going to Suicide Squad. Isn't he no. going to... Well, yeah, that's the weird thing. Is he's going to be in a movie that he was never going to be in. Because that movie was totally completed. They're not 100%. shooting new scenes for it. Or 100%. making shit up as they go along. You know what this movie oh. needs? Jared Leto. Yeah. Get him in here. This 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 movie needs more garbage. <laughs> I mean, I liked him in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, but the his Joker was. Yeah, garbage. but I'm just gonna remember that role, not the Joker. That's true. Um, and we did shoot him at uh, PNC Bank Arts Center one time. Great shots. Oh, what a great show! Uh, listen, love thirty seconds more. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't go that, that far. Yeah. So. Glimmer of Hope this week, not Jared Leto. We are talking about another casting decision that is maybe the best, and I think that's going to be the main topic, is can we think of anything better? Um, Disney has, uh, Disney Plus specifically, has a uh, new Moon Knight series, and I'm saying new like they've ever done anything before with the character, if they have not. Uh, Moon Knight, fan favorite Marvel character, uh, first appearance is Werewolf by Night 32. Sure, man. Remembers that one. Uh, it's a very famous and very expensive comic book. Uh, but yeah, so Moon Knight uh, um, is coming to Disney Plus as a, as a series. Uh, and part of or live action. Live action, part of the MCU, just like uh, She-Hulk, just like Miss Marvel. Uh, Moon Knight is a huge, huge, huge property that they've been talking about forever of, of doing something with, but finally they are, and uh, they've casted Sir Oscar Isaac, not a who knight does yet. not have. He's not, not a knight yet. 
true. Is he even yeah. British? No, not even a little. Jesus even, Christ. Yeah. Um, Oscar Isaac, beloved actor from uh, things like Star Wars. <laughs> things like Ex Machina. Um, and also, uh, what's, it, what's another big, big... The Coen Brothers big, movie I can't ever remember the name of. Oh, uh, Inside Llewellyn Davis. How is, could you forget his his wonderful turn in X-Men Apocalypse as well? I, everyone did. Everyone forgot yeah. that. I mean, as I don't Luke mind that movie. Uh, such a turd. Such I mean, a bland movie. Such a bland movie. Oh, but yeah, so uh, Oscar Isaac, this is like a no-brainer kind of casting. Uh, there was rumors, and Ryan, I don't know if you ever heard this, but you know who was rumored for this role or who people thought would be good? Because uh, oh, um, Moon, Knight, Moon Knight is like, a, I, I want to say a schizophrenic character in like the newer adaptations of him during like the... Uh, like the Warren Ellis and I, I, think, I think Brian Wood has written him as well. Um, I'm also not a huge Moon Knight reader and want to do more of a deep dive now that uh, the show is getting off the ground. But do you know who was rumored? Yeah, I think it was, uh, it was either Jackie Chan or Steven Seagal. You- <laughs> Seagal all the way, brother. Gosh. That's oh, where you got that weave. <laughs> there no, was- no, I have no idea. No, I'm, I'm really... Uh, I'm not too familiar with. I'm almost. I'm almost less familiar with the adaptation than I am to the comic book. I really don't know who was on board when or where before. I don't know. If, I don't know if this actor was ever on board, but I'm just going to give you a like one guess. Nicholas per, Cage. I mean, no. So Fuck. think of think of the same age range. Yeah. Think of the same age range. And think of just like an unstable, like kind of unpredictable actor. Oh, I know who it is. Okay, so Bill's out. I could be wrong. Unstable, unpredictable actor. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the last couple of years. Is Kanye West the wrong answer? It's I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to Bill. Uh, Bill? Shia LaBeouf. Yes. It was Shia LaBeouf. I originally think you're saying Joaquin Phoenix, but um, yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, uh, that was that was a big rumor. I don't think that ever had any legs at all. But uh, but up. going back, since no one knows, uh, when I say no one, I mean the three of us don't know anything about Moon Knight. Um, let's just talk Marvel card. Just the basics, yeah. very it's, basic. What like his 1994 Fleer card? Uh, try 1990, bro. Oh, I'm sorry, bro. Um, when you guys were in swaddling clothes. Uh, no, I wasn't born yet. Fuck. <laughs> I was just hatched. <laughs> he was. Ryan he came was from hatched. an egg. <laughs> he did. Um, was, yeah. But, like, what, I mean, obviously, this is, like, just, like, stellar casting choice. And I, I'm going to do two questions for you guys. First one being, has there ever been more perfect casting? Like, what? What? who, who would you say is the oh. ideal, like, just knocked it out of the park? And then the follow-up question would be, um, they're going to cast, eventually, a Fantastic Four. Who is your Reed, your Sue, your uh, Johnny Storm, your Thing, and your Silver Surfer? Oh, no, we're going to get this one. Um, I can tell you who... uh, Oh, shit, what was the first question again? Uh, perfect casting is, is this is there a better perfect casting than this 
I don't, I'm going to go with this one because at the time I don't think it was considered perfect casting. It was Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. I remember when they announced him, I was just like, that is 100% perfect. Yeah. I was uh, yeah. Because I think like some people were like, like, I always want to say like, I don't know if it was true or not, but people were thinking like Timothy Dalton back in the eighties and like, Oh, he would be really good. Cause he kind of had like the jawline. He had like the, the mm-hmm. facial hair for it to look, but when they announced Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, I was just like, this is perfect. And I remember a lot of people were like, Oh, really? He's like so washed up at the time. I mean, Al and I, I don't know. Ryan, was you probably kid. are. It's like kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Don't ever sleep on that movie. We'll talk about that when we talk about Christmas movies. Like, yeah. but so good. And like when they announced him, I was like, that is like absolutely 100% the perfect casting. I remember, yeah, because I, I, I was strangely, I watched a lot of his properties before that, even before Kiss Kiss. I, so I was psyched when they announced him. I was like, oh, that's perfect. And I remember that backlash. I'm like, just wait. I didn't think it was, he, I mean, he took it even farther than I could have ever imagined, but you know. Ryan, I'm going to date us a little bit, but didn't you want... You cannot date yourself on a podcast no, with me. I mean, th- this is going to be just so out of left field, and this is how long me and Ryan have been friends, but I remember at the lunch table in in high school, <laughs> Good talking, talking about, because we I think the, dra- the trailer had just come out, and we we're like, this is so cool, we can't wait to see this, I hope it's good, not, not us seeing it and changing our lives forever. Yeah. Didn't you say that... <laughs> That, that the guy from oh. Deuce Bigelow was the perfect casting, and you, the, you, the, de- you the, can defend the, yourself. A little bit. Yeah, he was also in the Mummy. I thought I loved the. Uh, I forget it, the Deuce Bigelow Mummy guy. I'm like, he could totally do Tony Stark. Wait, wait, are you talking about, are you talking about, you're talking about Brendan Oded. Fraser? Are you? No, no, no. Oded, uh, Oded Fair. That's his name. Fair, Fay. I he like legitimately looked like Tony Stark. I'm like, like the facial hair and the like. He, had, he looked he had, like right out of the comic book. Yeah, he had the intensity and everything. I'm like, oh, this guy could totally do it. Yeah, because like Ryan wasn't like you know they always say that it was a miracle that this like launched the MCU because at that point Iron Man was like a B-list character. Ryan was legitimately an Iron Man fan. As was I. He was a com. He was an he was an avid yeah, and still is an avid reader of Iron Man. Not anymore, but I used to be a big Iron Man fan. I loved yeah. Iron Man. He was one of my favorite. He was one of my favorite um, MCU uh, Marvel characters. Crazy, uh, Bill uh, uh, Ryan. Do you have uh, like a perfect something uh, that makes this or for Fantastic Four? No, uh, we'll we'll talk about oh, that. In a I'm like having such a hard. I'm trying to think of a like fuck. I can't think of anything. We'll talk about that in a second. Let's let's just do. Uh, let's just do. Do you think there was a better casting decision than this? Uh, mm, honestly, no, because I love Oscar Isaac. He's he's kind of like. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I've been fascinated with him. You failed to mention he was also hit that tiny part in Drive years ago. Um, yeah, I remember he was a, uh, a standard standard standard. Yeah. He, he was he was in that. I'm like, oh, this guy's like, I don't, like I'm this guy is like, like a dummy and like everything like in the movie and everything. But like, I'm like, I'm really like into this guy. I really hope this guy's like in more things. And he he's he's just like wonderful. He's like. He's like a dreamboat almost in a way. He's like he, he has that perfect. He's 
a perfect actor slash just like he has all the right looks. Uh, he, he's very he's to me like almost insanely well-rounded. I almost hate him, but it's it just uh, he, no, I really this is like, oh, Marvel found this guy. They tapped him for a property. You can't get anything better than that, really. Like for for that, he's going to take this. He, he's going to deliver this character even more than we can imagine. Like we don't like we don't know a lot about Moon Knight. This guy is going to 100 percent change it. He's going to Iron Man the shit out of this guy. He's going to do his own thing. He's going to be one of the next staples of the future of comic book, film, TV, all that. I also think that um, we talked about George Clooney before. Like Oscar Isaac is getting in that George Clooney range now. He's got, yeah. that, he's got that old Silver Fox thing going on now, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. like kind of like. He's getting into that rarefied air because now he's going to do – he had Star Wars. He's going to have the Moon Knight thing and next thing he's going to do, then he's going to go super rando, high-profile Oscar bait and he's going to he's gonna win an Oscar. Yep. Isaac. Oh. I actually cast him in Fantastic Four, by the way. I got it. Okay. Well, I was going to say – so we're, we'll do this a little differently. So oh. – um, MCU is eventually going to have their version of the Fantastic Four, rebooting it for the third time. Uh, hopefully this one sticks. It probably will under Kevin Feige. Um, who should be the Fantastic Family? Bill, who's your thing? The Rock. Ooh. Okay. Because I, I looked at it originally. I'm like, in the first movie, like Michael Chiklis, I'm just like, damn, that is like really good casting. That's pretty good. But I think, like, we've also moved past, like, I think, because that was, he was hot off the shield, and I just think we're moving a little past him. He's going to be a little older. I just think yeah. The Rock would be awesome in that role. Um, Okay, I don't want to say mine yet, but Ryan, who's your thing? Yeah, uh, my knee-jerk reaction, I'm not, I have another option. My knee-jerk reaction was John Cena, but I'm going to go oh, against him. That's a I'm, really good one. I'm that's also going to kind of go along the lines of Michael Chiklis in a way. Uh, you remember I'm fucking blanking. Cena's out. probably going to end up being the thing. Dude from Prison Break and The Flash. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. I know what you're thinking. I could see him doing like a... Like a oh, wait, more... the brother? The brother. Not, not yeah. the main guy, the brother. He was yeah. like Firestorm? Heatwave? Heatwave, Heat that's it, yeah. He was also yeah. in Legends of Tomorrow. He's kind of more like stocky, but I, my knee jerk reaction is John Cena. I don't yeah, know. I really, I can see. Yeah, I can see that almost happened more than Rock. Actually, that's a really good pick. Yeah. Al. Al. Okay, so my knee jerk reaction <laughs> was David Harbor. I mean, yeah, that's also another good one. Okay. Okay. Gotta yeah, make he, up I mean, for Hellboy. But yeah, he was impressive I, as Hellboy. Oh, I don't think so. so. I mentioned this. <laughs> I mentioned this actor and couldn't figure out his name, and then Bill had to say it, and now I can't do it again, and I think this is legit the perfect casting. Oh, fuck, it's going to irritate me. Um, he's a uh, baldish guy, Mike something. You got to We talked about this a couple weeks. You got to give me a movie. It starts with a, starts, I think it starts with an M. Mike. What's he in? He's like a sitcom-ish no, actor. He's no, no, not him. Guy. Michael Malley? Michael Malley. No way. No yeah, way, dude. He's yes, too, he, I, he, he's too old. He's too old. No. He doesn't matter. He's going to be the thing. It's the voice, dude. You need the voice. 
I think John, I think it's John Cena. I mean, they could totally okay. do uh, what Brendan Fraser does for the Doom Patrol. They just get another body person who can do the no, voice. No, it's I just like it's just like the voice of I'm Michael thinking, Malley is just like he I'm could. I could see him as the snarky. No, the thing was so aggro. Whereas Michael Malley is like a snarky bastard. I think that's where you go. You're not going to recreate Michael Chiklis in the lab. Like you're not going to do it again. So you got to do something Cena. different. And John Cena's funny. Uh, he is, and funny, the Rock is funny. True. Yeah, the Rock's funny, but he's not going to be behind that prosthetic. He doesn't need or to CG. be. <laughs> he doesn't. Have you seen him work out? That dude looks like the thing now, man. He's like, right. he's got muscles on right. muscles. Let's do um, your your Reed Richards and Sue Storm. I have to go with the internet's pick on this because it's kind of perfect, and it would be, um, uh, God, John Krasinski. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and his wife um, Emily Blunt. Was it Emily uh, Blunt? Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. Yeah, I just I just saw. Yeah, yeah, that's my pick too because I saw someone did a. it was on Cinema Blend posted it, but someone did a, a, a picture of her as Sue Storm, and I'm like, oh, that's perfect. And this John Krasinski is Mr. Fantastic. It just makes too much sense. It makes too much sense. Rye, are you in agreement there? Do you have anyone better? Um, so, yeah, my, my option was for um, Emily Blunt as Sue Storm. My Reed Richards, get ready, John Hamm. Ooh. I mean, John I can see John Ham. He could totally do it. Yeah, I could see it. I also, I also he's, don't he's, need like a. I also don't need like a super super. Like I don't even need a Krasinski. I, I'll keep Blunt, but I don't think I need a super white dude to but be. No, but yeah. Also, I mean, he could pull off. He's got the frame. Like Krasinski is now. He's a little pull. He's a little bulked up now from Jack Ryan. But Ham's got yeah. the. He's got the 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 age, the charisma. He can fuck everything on set, and he True. just kind of he, he can. Uh, yeah, he just he just to me like, you know, I always said too. I was like, you know, he could have totally did. I think he could have totally did a Superman role back then, or even uh, you know, or even a Batman, man, more Superman. But I just feel Reed Richards. He just kind of he slides in very nicely. I think he just uh, he's. I don't know. I think I feel like you're gonna hate my my uh, Human Torch pick, but oh, you guys are gonna fucking loathe my pick. Yeah, I don't I don't think you guys are gonna like my pick either. All right, oh, you All go right. first, right? Uh, uh, yeah, right, you go first. Zach Efron. Don't hate it. Don't hate it. <laughs> don't hate it. We've reached we've reached the Pattinson level of Efron, where he is just great. I mean, listen, since Neighbors, I think we've we've all loved Efron. I think he's now he's getting into like dad. "Quote unquote dad bod status and like no, 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 no. that's bullshit. I oh, have I a dad bod. That's why I said, he just he that's doesn't said, have a ninety pack. He has a six yeah. pack. He he went back to a normal human frame. Yeah, I just think to he it. could totally pull off that uh, that cocky attitude. He's obviously got the comedic chops, but he's also, I mean, maybe you can make an argument that he's too short, but like, I really don't think that's a that's right real there. issue. Yeah, I, I think he could totally. He can walk away with that that issue. If that was an issue, Tom Cruise would never be an actor. Um, yes. Bill, who's your pick? Harry Styles. I hate that fucking pick. Oh, fuck <laughs> you. It's a great pick. I hate it. I don't like it. I love it. I don't like it because... I, I, don't, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't even not like him at, like personally. I just don't know if I like 
I like uh, uh what's it called? Defend defend your defend your pick. I don't know. He just he has like he has this swag and charisma that I think you could bring that's going to be different than like the kind of rock and roll like bigger than life style that um, Chris Evans brought to it. I did not see Michael B. Jordan's uh, portrayal of it, and I love Michael B. Jordan. I would have loved to have seen him as the Human Torch again, but it's like he's a little too big for that role. I think in in status and stature. So I don't think he would work, but um, I don't know. There's something about him. He's new. It's fresh. It's like he he's proven he's got an onstage. He's he's got a presence. He's got a charisma, and I think he would add a different dynamic to um, to the Human Torch. And I, I just I was thinking outside the box. Riz Ahmed, and it's still a really good pick. I mean, that's a really good pick. It's a really good pick. Thank you. I love that guy too. That's actually never been like I've never seen that as like an option, but I just said like he's just a really good actor. <laughs> he's just a crazy good actor and like he's got the like the like the cheek or bone structure. Like he just looks like very like like Johnny Storm I think of as like fully embracing the celebrity status of like, like I don't Harry, think we see like Harry Styles. No, I'm I'm talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. It's Harry Styles. That's that is a good point. But like I'm saying, like I don't think we've you're seen that in the MCU. Style. Yeah, um, I don't think we've seen that yet in the MCU. Like we had glimpses of it in Endgame with with the Hulk, like like knowing that he's the Hulk and like posing for pictures and things like that. But like I think he would be the the perfect one. To be like, I am a celebrity in this world. You know, I think he could do it. I think he's got again, like the swagger and the, and the present. Can I can I throw another? All right. Can I throw another character in so we can just think about while we talk about Silver Surfer? Because you got to talk about sure. this guy because he's never been done right. Is Doctor Doom? Yeah, never been done right. Doctor Doc- Doom in the way I forgot. I don't remember who was talking about it. I don't know if it was a comic book writer or a podcaster. It may have been Kevin Smith, actually, when I say podcaster and comic book writer, for that matter. But he was talking about getting someone to play him so vain that he thinks of himself as the, the perfect specimen of human. And he only has like the slightest defect on his face. Oh, that's and, that's, and that's why he wears the mask. That's how vain of a person he is. And I love that. Like, not like, you know, completely destroyed fate. You know what I mean? Like, the reason he wears the mask is is because he's he's imperfect and it's just the slightest thing. And like, who can play that? Who can play that like super He'd have to be like a, a like Greek god. You know what I mean? Like he'd have to be like a like just the perfect specimen of a human. I got it. Hit me. Yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen. Not bad. I think That's he, not a bad you know bad. why? Because I think you know why I think of him because I look. I, I just think of behind the mask, who's going to have this voice? I almost think he'd be a better Galactus. I mean, true. Yes, I agree. But if we're just casting like the guy who they've got it wrong the most, I'm going to say I'm going to go with him. I think he's. I think he's just like on the cusp of being like the next huge actor. He's going to be. He's awesome, and I would love to see him in a Marvel role. I almost was thinking of Sterling K. Brown at first, but I was just like, ah. Eh. Yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah. mm, it's a little yeah. too. Can, I don't know. Can, he can he I, comes off I, as more of a corporate 
bad guy at times. There's other roles that he could do, but and something about Yahya Abdul Mateen, it just after seeing him as Doctor Manhattan, I was like, fuck, he'd be perfect. Yeah. As I would love to see him in that role. I'm gonna steal Ryan's pick for something else, and I'm gonna say John Hamm. Yeah. Oh, that that would be good. John Hamm as Doctor Doom would be fucking crazy because this guy was rumored to be Superman, right, for the longest time, or Batman for that matter. Like he was always in the running for that. What if he is the evil version of that? What if he is the genius uh, billionaire, but he's also world dominating right like i think that would be amazing and he could play i mean he's chiseled from the gods at this point right um he's only getting better with age and imagine just like the slightest imperfection on his face yeah and he's got to cover up oh that'd be great uh ryan dr doom um i don't feel i don't feel as confident but um had he not have been i feel like he would have been perfect had he not have been professor x Uh, michael fassbender maybe yeah, yeah. For oh, sure. no, he was Magneto. Sure. Yeah, but yeah, Magneto, yeah. yeah. Um, but if not, oh, that's him, almost like so perfect. Especially if, especially if they had yeah. done that right after Inglorious Bastards. Oh, yeah. Because uh, yeah. he, he just he's he's captivating. He is. You you hear him speak, and you're like, I'm gonna yeah, like I, I'm gonna listen to you. Like uh, if you were to go even a little older, or I don't know. Uh, there's Ben Mendelssohn is another option. He's fantastic. Yeah, but he, a little he too obvious. Like, I, he, that yeah, I mean that I would totally. He's he wouldn't be my first choice, but he's just somebody again that that gravelly. He has a little bit of a list, but like he has that like that voice that you listen to. Um, that's a harder pick for me. I don't know. And then let's let's move on to Silver Surfer, and I I don't see anyone better. Or well suited to play the my favorite one of my favorite characters in the Marvel Cinematic or Marvel Universe is, is Silver Surfer. I I can't see anyone else but Keanu Reeves. That's my pick. I mean, Keanu it's Reeves. just too perfect. The Keanu Reeves, you know, post the the, the John Wick, uh, you know, the the thing that catapults him back into pop culture. Um, and makes him, you know, a legit fan favorite for everything, anything that he's involved in. And because he is now, because of this newfound resurgence, this Keanu Sans or whatever, he's in every aspect of, of pop culture now. Now it's it's the John Wick movies and it's uh, Always Be My Maybe on Netflix. And now he's in the cyberpunk game, right? Like he is. Four. Toy Story 4, yeah, thank you. Like, he is getting everywhere, and the only place he hasn't been yet is an MCU film. We know we know he's done some sort of comic book adaptation before with Constantine, but this is the role for him. Yeah. And you know what? And it's none of those things that I mentioned is the, is the parameter. It was that interview that he did with Colbert. <laughs> well, what, the, what, what happens when you go to heaven? What happens when you... That, that the way that he just talked yeah there yeah. was like oh yeah you are so you sorry. are nor you are norn rad the name so speaks sorry. for itself man yeah keanu reeves norn rad come on yeah do you, do you guys have any other pick for that role 
Um, it's pretty perfect. I mean, I mean, for funsies, I would say Michael C. Hall. Yeah, yeah I mean, could see that's it. a pretty good one. It also it only has to be voice only, right? Like you can get a body double, like you said. Like, well, Lawrence Fishburne did the first voice. It's great, great casting. Yeah, yeah. I think the problem with Fantastic Four is like, and I don't think is always been the script and direction. It's always been they've never had a great script or a great director. It's never been like I think the casting has always been pretty decent, and yeah. it's just we've never been able to get the right combination of script and director. Yeah. It also didn't help that they had already made a great fantastic four movie with the Incredibles as like the parameter of like, Oh, this is just do this, but live action. Like, like you, they nailed it. Like they got it. Like that's why I always said, if you're going to make a fantastic four movie, you should get Brad Bird to do it because he did it already. Right. Yeah. I'm sure he won't want to do it again, but totally. he nailed it. And like, I think, I mean, that is the blueprint to make, uh, compelling, interesting, Fantastic Four movie, and they um, have to. And like, if they if Disney can't do it, they gotta just retire it. This will be the fifth attempt to do it. Well, the, and a lot of people, a lot of people, are saying that the best thing to do is not introduce them in their own movie. Like, you know, no. we're, we're we're getting in the multiverse, like pff, right there. They're from a different world, and bring them into the MCU in a different way, right? Like. How how have they not shown up yet? Right, they're the, they're Marvel. They're they're, the, they're literally called the first family. They're Marvel's first family. Um, that is you could easily bring them into a Hulk yeah. movie. Yeah, you can easily bring them into you know any of these uh, basically almost most of these franchises, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, um, we are now in uh, phase four. We are Chris Evans-less. We are Robert Downey Jr.-less. We have maybe one or two more Hemsworth movies. We need to see what the future of the MCU is going to look like, right? And not just what the big bad is going to be, but, like, who's steering the ship? And who's, who is going to come out as the leader of, you know, whatever the new Avengers are, the young Avengers, whatever it ends up being? How do you tie in all these MCU Disney Plus films or Disney Plus uh, shows and these future sequels and these movies, Spider-Man 3, whatever? How do you tie them all together and bring them into this this next phase without something anchoring it? And I think the Fantastic Four would be a great anchor for that and a great way to expand upon it they have to nail it with this casting and they have to nail it with with their introduction and marvel is great with both of those things casting and introductions i yeah spider spider-man's introduction in civil war is still one of my favorite moments of the mcu so you know i i have full faith that they're gonna be able to do it but they just they gotta do it yeah I mean, they have to. I mean, that's like the big one. I mean, you're also looking at, you know, and I hate to be morbid, but, you know, we're looking at a Chad Bozeman less Black Panther. Yeah. That was definitely probably going to be a big part of this, this new phase of the MCU. Mm-hmm. So you have to find new stars. You have to find, you know, just who's going to be the box office for you. I mean, what, what, mm-hmm. what, what do we have announced right now? We have, you know, Thor, Love and Thunder. We have uh, Eternals. What else we got in there? Uh, we have the Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange and the multi the multiverse of madness. 
We have Spider-Man 3, Untitled. Black um, Widow. Black Widow, which is the first one to come out, but it's also the first time they're doing some sort of a prequel film, right? A, a movie that um, doesn't set up a next phase in theory. Yeah, they could I'm sure set it up. Will. I'm sure it will, but like it doesn't, you know, it's uh, it's a movie that obviously stars a character who has died in the um, spoilers, you know, bro. in the MCU. Spoilers, bro. Well, fucking watch movies, dude. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see uh, what they do next. And you know, we're so spoiled with these movies that you know they just casted oscar isaac we're talking about cool what's next like we haven't even seen this thing and we're like and, and we, we, we never talked about the fact we're getting a nick fury series yeah which yeah. uh again a lot of these shows um can tell these uh very intimate very small or grand stories but it could it could begin and end with these shows and then it can also set up bigger things to come later and i think the nick fury show is a, a great example of that even if it's like young nick fury and how he you know, how he lost his eye or whatever you can always set up something from his past that comes back later we'll, we'll have to wait and see but it's fun to just talk about this stuff i can literally just i can make this spin this off into a uh, a marvel podcast because god I I love would, they called the first season of nick fury nick fury and the quest for his lost eye to be honest think that would be great and that's a great place for us to end this podcast <laughs> yeah thank you thank you bill uh i guess since i'm the host i will uh, i will uh, steer this ship home uh ryan as much as we rag on you uh where can people find you on the social media is uh, again thank you for joining us uh and letting us beat you up uh yeah absolutely it's always a pleasure to come get uh you know verbally abused over the interwebs from you too um you can find me on the book, the gram, uh, your local street corner. Um, I, I am, I am always, ne I'm never far from pop break. Uh, one of my articles will pop up at some point if I write it and, uh, you know, I'm never far from it. So, yeah, I pop up every, uh, every few months or so. So, uh, yeah, I'll be back at some point. Bill. Yeah. Uh, check me out. I am at Bodkin Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S on Twitter. That is my own personal uh, account. Of course, this podcast, the social, Socially Distanced Podcast, drops every single Friday, sometimes Saturday, on uh, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Check out um, Pop Break uh, TV, which is also on those same platforms. We drop podcast every single week including live laugh and lovey goodbye to all that the anniversary brothers and tv break uh we are also at the we are our main website the mothership thepopbreak.com publishing stories on film television music comic books pro wrestling and some new things debuting very soon uh over at thepopbreak.com okay we are on twitter at popbreak.com all spelled out forward slash popbreak.com all spelled on facebook at the pop break on instagram and for me personally uh probably by the time you hear this i will of course have the bruce springsteen review that is up i will have my interview with nick frost susan wakoma and malcolm mcdowell from the show truth seekers you also have a review of truth seekers coming out really soon i will be watching the screener between now and the time this podcast comes out and i'll be reviewing the first episode of the mandalorian season two so ryan if you want to get on that let me know uh because we are doing weekly reviews of that show 
Cool. And Al, take us home. Uh, you can find me at Al Manorino on Instagram, at Al Manorino on Twitter. You may see a picture of uh, Ryan uh, engaged to his uh, beautiful fiance. Yeah. Uh, you might see that on my Instagram. Who knows? He is available for engagement photos, wedding yeah. photos. Um, I'm good. You know, baby photos, family portraits. Go hire him. He needs money, dude. He's got a kid. Kid's really cute. I do. <laughs> uh, I really and do uh, hey, kid. guys, don't forget, uh, we're recording this right before the election, so don't forget to get your vote out for whomever you vote for. You know, We've made it very clear on who we're all voting for here. So uh, just go get your vote out. It's your constitutional right. Care about your country and go vote. Stay safe, boys. Very true. And so I'll uh, close it out for Al Manorino, for Ryan DeMarco, I'm Bill Bodkin, who's not the host of this podcast. But thank you for joining us on the 31st episode of the Socially Distance Podcast. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. God damn it. <laughs>